Hello? Hey! Now we're talking. Okay, good. Well, it's an honor to be back. It's good to have you. Bless you, man. All right. How many of you were here this morning? Raise your hand. Oh, basically all of you. Okay, how many of you were not here this morning? Raise your hand. Oh, well, there still is actually a number of hands. How many of you are not sure if you were here this morning? <laughs> all right. And how many of you wouldn't raise your hand no matter what I ask? <laughs> we always get a few of those, too. All right, good. Well, it's an honor to be back, and we had a blast this morning. God did a lot. I think I counted somewhere around 90-some healings that happened just by having these guys laying hands on each other. One more time, if you were here this morning, go ahead, raise your hand. So you see about how many hands that is. Okay, put your hands down. If you prayed for someone and they were healed this morning, or you received prayer for something and you were healed this morning, go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, see, it was fun, huh? <laughs> Do we have like, I mean, we heard some amazing testimonies. Oh my goodness, this morning. That was, that was crazy what all God did. Uh, can I have like a few of you share a testimony of something that God did this morning? Oh, no, don't everybody go quiet on me. I saw like virtually every hand go up. <laughs> All right, who, who wants to share a testimony? All right, yes. Okay, what was wrong with your shoulder? Uh-huh, and now? Thank you, Jesus. How long had it been that way? Okay, thank you, Lord. Good. Who else? Yes. Mine started last week. Linda came and prayed for me. So she just kept showing her my face. Poor thing. <laughs> but she came and prayed for me for my nervous system. I had always had seizures all my life, and I'm on SOS. Anyway, I only move when I want to move now. My body is not doing anything. It was spun out of control. It was miserable every day. Miserable. Tormenting. I only move when I want to move. And now you're, so you're. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Good. Okay, who else? Yes. Yeah, you had, we got to hear this again. That was fun. Thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. So how much? Yeah, praise Jesus. How much metal was in there? A plate, a rod, a screw, 13 screws, and a what? And a nail. L? A nail. Nail. Come on, Jesus. And how much of that could you feel? Could you feel all of it? It was all the surface, or some of it you could feel and some you couldn't? Or? Some of it I could and some I couldn't, mainly the plate on the outside of my ankle. That was what you could feel the most? Yes. But now no plate? No. <laughs> we had a time for people to pray or metal disappearing this morning. That's fun. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. All right, who else? Yes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah, it was a good couple, I don't know, inch and a half maybe, almost two inches. Cool. Who else? Yes. I had somebody pray for my hip, and I've been having a hard time going upstairs with my right leg. Today, this afternoon, we went up some real steep stairs. It didn't hurt. All right. Come on, Jesus. It's awesome. All right. Who else? This is fun. I like hearing what God did. There was more hands than that. <laughs> there was a lot more hands than that. Yes, in the back.
That's awesome. And normally you would have had neuropathy or pain or something by this point? That's awesome. I'm happy for you. Cool. Good. Who else? Yes. My wrist was hurting really bad, and now it doesn't hurt at all. Thank you, Jesus. The one person I prayed for this morning at church, and he didn't get healed, and then somebody else prayed for him, and he did get healed. <laughs> all right. <laughs> happy for you that you did get healed. Okay. Good. Who else? Yes. Yeah, you had a good morning. You had a bunch of things, right? That's, so before, how far could you turn it? Uh, I would have to turn my body. Oh, wow. That's awesome. You know what the awesome thing about it? Is, is a, as a young believer that's prayed for me, that you, you can sense the, like, not fear, but, you know, when you pray for a person that's afraid, it's awesome to feel that drive that you came out and pray over you. That was awesome. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good. All right. Who else? Yes. I've been having um, pain throughout my body at night mainly, like through my arms during the day, and I don't have any pain in my arms now, and my feet are. Amen. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you might even be getting healed as you're hearing these testimonies, by the way. We just give you permission to get healed already. You don't have to wait till the healing time, all right? Okay, good. Who else? Anybody else? I enjoy hearing what Jesus does. I like good news. <laughs> God is good. Amen. Can we praise Jesus for what happened already? Thank you, Lord. We give you the glory and the praise. Amen. So we give Jesus all the glory, but I also want to say thank you to you because you went to these people and prayed for them. If you didn't go, they don't get touched. Amen? Sometimes people are saying, God, why don't you do something? And God's like, I did do something. I gave you the Holy Spirit. Amen? Sometimes we think we're waiting on God and he's not really waiting on us. I'm sorry. Sometimes he's waiting on us, not us waiting on him. Amen? All right, I always like to show a healing video clip. The clip I'm going to show is actually from inside this movie. So I, I showed the trailer to this this morning. Let me give a little backdrop on this for those of you that weren't here uh, this morning. So I go to Switzerland every year and do ministry. And uh, my buddy Andrea there, we've been friend, friends for a number of years. And when I was there a few years back, uh, he said, Paul, he says, I really feel like God's laid it on my heart to make some kind of, of healing video for Swiss people. And I said, that's great. What are you thinking? And he's like, I don't know, something short, sweet, practical, maybe 10 to 15 minutes long, like how to approach people outside the four walls of the church. What do you do if they get healed? What do you do if they don't get healed? Uh, something like that. And I said, you know, that's great. Let me know if there's anything I could do to help. I go back the next year. Andrea says, Paul, do you remember how I was talking to you about making a, a healing movie for Swiss people? And uh, I said, you know what? I think I do remember that. He says, yeah, well, that's going to happen. I said, oh, yeah? He says, yeah. He says, you know, I was dreaming with God about it all. And he says, I wrote down 13 names of people that I'd like to put in my movie. So he says, I put down Bill Johnson, Randy Clark, Heidi Baker, the Pope, Nick Vichick, the guy that doesn't have arms and legs, Lauren Cunningham, the president of YWAM, Todd White, Robbie Dawkins, 
and so on and so forth. Maybe you've heard of some of these people. Hopefully you've at least heard of the Pope before. <laughs> and he said, to my amazement, he says, I got interviews with 12 out of 13, all but the Pope. And he says, I almost got an interview with the Pope because my buddy Andrea is actually Italian originally. Andrea is an Italian name. He said, I had a mutual friend to the Pope, and the Pope was open to doing the interview, but my mutual friend passed away before we could get that interview scheduled. And he said, that's when I realized that maybe God was breathing on my movie idea and that maybe it shouldn't just be 10 minutes long for Swiss people. And so that's how he ended up making this movie. Uh, now, he wanted, to, he wanted to interview the famous people in Christendom for, uh, for the video, but he didn't necessarily want those people to be the people that he filmed going after healing outside the four walls of the church. It actually ended up being myself and a bunch of my very good friends. And so even this morning, I shared the fun story about Jeff and the Hindu temple. Uh, so my buddy Jeff is in the movie in Singapore. You see him in there as well. But I want to show you a clip from the movie. Um, yeah, so go ahead and, yeah, oh, let me say this. Um, different cultures respond differently when they get touched by God. And so how many of you have been to Europe before? Okay. Like that section right there. <laughs> okay, apparently they all went on one big trip together as a group. Uh, so European culture in general tends to be a bit more reserved than American culture, right? Like it, when you're in Europe, you typically can hear the American before you see the American. The Europeans are all pretty, pretty quiet. And then I explain to my European friends, and I'm an American and I'm a loud American on top of that. So you really hear me before you see me. But um, so it's a very reserved culture until one of two things happens. Either they get healed or they go to a soccer game and then throw all of that out the window and it's like they magically have transformed into something completely different, all right? So you're going to see uh, some people getting reacted. They're reacting to what God does. Uh, so go ahead and hit play. to play ultimate frisbee and volleyball. I like spending time with the Lord, of course. Uh, I like seeing miracles happen. I like training other people to have them see miracles happen. I like, I like to watch football games, American football games. Minnesota Vikings, they're my team. I'd really love to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl, but that would probably be involving a miracle to see happen. I meet this guy in Switzerland. I'm beginning to understand how this healing thing works. And I don't want to waste another second. I am ready to rock and roll. 
ass, girl, let's get out of dodge. Sick of living life, sick of counting scars. We the ones who go to war against the guys. We the shadows that move around in the dark. Take your life back, take your time, wicked. Welcome to the tribe, check the rhyme, wicked. I was doing bad, couldn't find wicked. Now my phone ringing all the time, wicked. We the only ones. I've never prayed for so many people before. People are way more open than I thought. One miracle after another happens. We meet these four guys, and Paul asks them if they have any pain that we could pray for. Anything for you, bro? My hand. Yeah? What happened to your hand? I, I broke my hand for uh, five months. Five months? And it never healed up right? So you get pain, or the bone still is screwed up, or what's going on? Oh. With, uh, with skateboarding, the fall of the... Off the skateboard. Yes. So is the mobility changed? Like you can move this one more and this one is less mobility? Oh, he just has limited mobility. So the doctor said it's going to be like this forever. Oh, wow. Yeah. So if that changed, you would know. God will be doing something. All right, cool. Like, we believe that God can do something supernaturally involving the pain and the mobility and the foot problem. So, is it all right if I, which foot was it you said? The left one. The left foot. On the heel. On the heel. Okay, cool. Can I actually, like, put my hand on your foot or on your neck or on your hand when I pray? No take my shoe off. Dude, you're good. <laughs> All right, so Holy Spirit, we just release your presence and your life and your goodness on this foot in Jesus' name. And every pain, every problem, get out right now. Loose them in Jesus' name. Be gone now. Amen. All right, check. Be honest. There's no difference? There's no difference? If there's a difference, what happens? I still feel it. So still feel it. Yeah. Is it the exact same or is there a difference? Well, it's pretty much the same. But before, when I was sitting down, I could still feel it. But now, like... Just before, uh, just by sitting down, I couldn't feel it. But just when I stood up, I, it just like, it's pretty much the same. What? What did we do wrong? Did we forget something? Why wasn't this guy healed? I had prayed for the sick all the time for a few years, and not one person was healed. I was so frustrated. I was like, God, what is the deal? Uh, but I probably sounded more like, God, what's the deal? <laughs> Sometimes we, you know, sanitize our prayers, and it's like all... Oh, God, I'm doing okay. And God's like, you're not doing okay. What are you talking about? <laughs> Most of the book of Psalms is pretty raw. It's pretty real. And so I was at that point where it was pretty raw. And it was like, God, what's the deal? Why is it nobody's getting healed? And I told God, I was like, God, I quit. I'll keep praying for people, but I can't make this thing happen. I have read my Bible more. I have prayed and prayed and prayed. I've confessed everything I know I've done wrong. I've confessed things that I'm not even sure if they were wrong hoping it would work, and somebody might get healed, and it hadn't worked, nobody's healed, so God, I can't do it. So, uh, now we can pray for your neck. We'll pray for all of you once, and then find out where everything's at, and then, can I put my hand right here? You have the pain right now? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Okay, cool. So, Holy Spirit, we release your presence on this man right now, and thank you, Lord, that you're bigger than whatever is causing the pain. So, pain, get out. Any infirmity, be gone, in Jesus' name. Be healed and restored. Amen. Check. Check. Check your neck. <laughs> yeah. On a scale of one to ten, 
10 is a woman giving birth. One is not that bad. Okay. What number was it before and what's it now? It sounded like it was like a two and a half or something like before. Uh, seven. Oh, really? Is that bad? No, okay, it's not. Okay, let's say four. Four. Oh, okay. Now it's like a three. Okay, so improved a little. Can I pray for the other side? Yeah. Let's see Jesus yeah. touch it. Just say, do this. Say, thank you, Jesus, for improving my neck. Thank you, Jesus, for improving my neck. Yeah, and thank you, Jesus, we give you the glory. And now in the name of Jesus Christ, pain, get out right now. Neck be completely restored in Jesus' name. Amen. Check. And I was reading in my Bible, Acts chapter 3, Peter and John pray for a crippled man at the temple gate, and he's walking and leaping and praising God. And a big crowd gathers. And Peter and John say in Acts 3, verse 12 to the crowd, something like, men of Israel, why you look at us as if it's by our own holiness or our own power that it caused this to happen. And I looked at that, and I thought, you've got to be kidding me. I have been working very, very hard in order to try to be holy enough to see a miracle happen, and I've failed completely. And these guys were actually seeing the sick get healed say, why do you look at us as if it's about us? It's not about us, it's about Jesus. And so I said, God, I quit. Besides, according to these guys, it's not about me anyway. It's about you. So if you want to start healing people, you go right ahead, but I can't do it. Which is, I think, what God really actually wanted me to realize. Sometimes he wants us to know that spiritual gifts aren't us. He wants us to know where we stop and where he starts. What the? <laughs> what did you? <laughs> I didn't do nothing, bro. Jesus did something. Wow. Oh, my God. Jesus. Does he have, like, some special medicine? He has something. I, I don't know. This is normal. I'm not Jesus. All right, let's go for your foot one more time. Then we'll get to your hand. Is that cool? All right. Do you mind helping me out even? Just put your hand right underneath the bottom. Just repeat after me. Is that all right? Yeah. So thank you, Jesus, for improving my friend's pain. Thank you, Jesus, for improving my friend's pain. And in the name of Jesus Christ, and in the name of Jesus Christ I, command I command all pain, pain. Get, out get out and foot be healed. And foot be healed. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Check. <laughs> well, I can still feel but it's Yeah? <laughs> okay. I don't know. It feels like a lot more fluent when I walk. Like, before it was just like I would step on a, like a small stone or something. It's, yeah? Now it's more like a... You're feeling more normal. Well, that's good. That's cool. Good. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Let's go for your wrist. Is that all right, bro? All right. Cool. So in the name of Jesus Christ, I command all pain to get out right now. The Lord rebuke you. Get out of him right now in Jesus' name. All right. Try again. Be honest. What's he saying? Because Jesus loves you. That's why it's happening. All right, you can cut it there. Uh, we'll stop it at a good spot. If you want to see what happens to the rest of the guys, movies on the back on the table, all right? They go actually later on, go on and get saved. And yeah, there's a bit more to the story as well. Just is going to get too long. So, all right. We'll keep moving. Uh, I wanted to actually change a little bit of the order. Uh, so um, from this service, from the, the earlier ones that we did. So uh, instead of doing um, me sharing what I do overseas at the end, I'm going to do it actually now. So I actually, for those of you that aren't familiar with me, I travel and preach a lot. So I preach between two and 300 times a year in a bunch of different countries. So last year, I preached in the United States, Canada, 
Brazil, Switzerland, Germany, England, Siberia, Cambodia, Malaysia, Taiwan, Singapore, and maybe a few I'm forgetting. Anyway, you can look at those, that list and see which of those places can afford to bring me in and which of those places cannot afford to bring me in. And I just couldn't picture Jesus refusing to go to the third world nations because they couldn't afford his plane ticket. So if Jesus will go, I'll go. So I had to figure out a way to make it work financially. So what I do is whenever I'm in a first world nation, I ask that if they normally do an offering for the guest speaker, can I share for three minutes about what I do in the third world nation and whatever people give in the offering, I divide in half. So half I pay my bills with as a human being on planet Earth, and the rest of it I use to go to the third world nations. So uh, every year there's a lot of people healed and saved. I think last year was between 14 and 15,000 salvations and between 7 and 8,000 healings, the vast majority of which I didn't pray for. Because of the 90-some-odd healings that happened this morning, I didn't pray for any of them. In fact, the one that I personally prayed for didn't get healed. But he did get healed later. When somebody else prayed. <laughs> I do see Jesus heal some people, but <laughs> I'm just saying uh, I like people getting healed and saved. I like multiplication much more. And we don't get multiplication if one person behind the pulpit does all the work. Amen? So if you decide you want to give to help send me to do all that, then feel free. So, Pastor Seaver, who do I call to go ahead and do that? And then I'll give you a message. All right. Here I, here I said we're going to do it at the end of service. <laughs> we changed it all up. So our ushers are uh, heading back to grab the bags really quick. Um, you know, we've had a lot of different speakers come and um, come here over the, well, 27 years that I've been here. And, um, you know, it's really amazing when we get to, to sow into a work. Because what happens is what we sow into, and you heard, right, half goes to support the, the missionary, that the mission the mission that he does overseas. So that means every time he travels, that Paul travels somewhere, that you and I have partnered together in ministry with him, with the Lord, right? So it is great seed, and we're hearing the harvest. That's what's cool, right? I mean, a lot of times we'll have somebody go over here. He's sharing about um, all the different harvests that he has seen from salvations. I shared a, just briefly this morning a little bit about an encounter reading through um, Paul's blog uh, where he encountered four gals at, at an airport, uh, was supposed to be on his way to Russia, and some things happened. Anyways, he was going to travel back home for a little bit. And the blog sounded like you're a little frustrated, right, that you... That every <laughs> we just traveled. I, some of you saw my Facebook, right? I was a little, as a little irritated. We got delayed for two and a half hours, <laughs> but um, you know, it was amazing to continue to read as um, he ended up speaking and encountering with four young ladies in the airport, and and just like we saw here, and pray for each one of them, and the result of the end to to see that it's it's greater sometimes than what we think if we open our eyes. Today at lunch, just today at lunch, right? And at the end, our, our, our waitress, he says, can I pray for you? And she says, sure. You know? So what we just saw was only a brief encounter of what we personally got to see as part of his life today as a living example of just being out in the public and just in, engaging somebody for prayer. So, um, you know, it's, it's an awesome thing that we get to partner together. So, um, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in 
the ministry that you've called Paul to do. Lord, we're thankful that he is an obedient servant and said, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. And Lord, wherever you choose to send him, he's willing to go. Father, we thank you for his saying yes to you and yes to the call that you have on his life to teach and equip the saints wherever he goes. So Lord, we ask that you would bless him, bless this offering, Lord, that you would multiply it beyond the natural expectation of what comes in financially, Lord, to meet his needs wherever you choose to send him, that Lord, that good, solid seed is being sown into an amazing ministry. So Lord, thank you that we get to partner together and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. The ushers will go ahead and receive, and then we're going to turn it back over to you. Okay. So the reason why I show that clip, by the way, is I think one of the most powerful things that people can do to be empowered in healing ministry, or maybe I should say it this way. One of the things that empowered me the most in healing ministry was watching video clips, whether it be on YouTube or movies like that, and seeing Jesus heal and touch people, and then refusing to believe that if God can't do it through somebody on the screen, that God can't do it through me. And I'd start to see God do the same way. So I really encourage you, like, whether that's getting the movie or going on YouTube and type street healings or miracles on the street in the search box, like start watching video clips like that regularly. That's probably the most powerful thing I can tell you to do if you want to cultivate a lifestyle of healing and miracles. Because it'll build faith, it'll build trust, it'll build a holy discontent for a lifestyle without miracles, it'll build boldness, it'll build a lot of things. Amen? Amen. All right, cool. Jesus, give me something to say. Amen. Some of you got offended by my prayer, but you know, <laughs> I need something to say. All right. <clears throat> I'm going to jam a lot of information in the next little bit. So I think I'm going to share most of what is on here. Guess what? I'm going to save you $6. If you hit record on your phone right now, you don't need to buy this. <laughs> Just trying to help, okay? <laughs> now, there's going to be a little bit of it that's going to be overlapped from this morning, but there's a number of people that weren't here this morning. But there's going to be a fair number of things that uh, I didn't cover this morning that I'm going to address. I really want to talk about what people believe related to healing and miracles, okay? Jesus said, all things are possible to them who believe. So if we want to see Jesus show up in and through us in a greater way, then what we believe needs to change. Amen? Like faith is a byproduct of what you believe. If you're trying to work to have more faith, but what you believe is nothing ever happens when I pray, I don't have the spiritual gift for healing, I don't think I've read my Bible enough, it's not going to work. Doesn't matter how hard you're working on faith, it's not going to work very well for you. Because faith is a byproduct of what you believe. If you want to see, you want your faith to grow, then what you believe needs to change. Faith is a byproduct of what you believe, and faith is also a byproduct of encountering the one who's faithful, the one who does what we can't do in our own strength. Amen? Now, I'm going to discuss different mindsets that people in the body of Christ have had related to healing. Of course, like every message that you ever hear in, hear in the church, this is not for anybody in this room. It's for those people out there that should have come tonight, but they weren't able to come, right? So, you know, listen on behalf of them because they're the ones that should have really, <laughs> really heard it. Okay. I do like to joke around a little bit while I preach, so okay. Uh, now, I'm going to whip through them quick, and then we're going to spend a little time on each. So number one, Healing is difficult. Number two, healing is rare. 
Number three, I have to have tons and tons of faith to see a healing happen. Number four, I have to have read my Bible enough, prayed enough, confessed everything good enough, and then and only then will God heal. Number five, healing ministry is not for everybody in the body of Christ. It's just for certain pastors, evangelists, and guest speakers, and people who have a spiritual gift for healing. Number six, healing is an event, not a lifestyle. And number seven, I don't need to go over and pray for that person. I can pray at just fine at home or at the church prayer meeting. All right, let's take a look at these really quick. Number one, healing is difficult. Let me assure you, healing is not difficult. It's impossible or very easy for Jesus. Amen? If you have a Bible, turn to 2 Kings chapter 3. It's not a healing story, but it's definitely a miracle story. Jehoshaphat's the king. And Jehoshaphat, well, let's put it this way. The people would have what most of us would call a big problem. They have ran out of water. Their animals are going to die. The people are going to die. They're about to fight a battle, and they might not even be able to fight the battle because they don't have anything to drink. They have what most people would be consider, considering a big problem. Now, what does Jehoshaphat do? He's like, okay, is there a prophet of the Lord we can inquire what to do? So he goes and finds Elisha. I find Elisha's response to the problem absolutely fascinating. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 16. And he, Elisha, said, this is what the Lord says, make this valley full of ditches. For this is what the Lord says, you will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water, and you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also hand Moab over to you. What is Elisha's response to the problem? Is Elisha's response... Oh, no, I can't believe God brought you out here just to abandon you. Well, let's pray for God to give you some peace. <laughs> Is that Elisha's response? Is Elisha really all that impressed by the problem? Elisha, we would say Elisha has a very poor bedside manner. <laughs> right? Like, they are stressed out anxious, paranoid, what are we going to do? And Elisha just really is not impressed by the problem. Like, Elisha is literally blowing off their problem. Elisha's response is, that's just really easy for the Lord. Elisha is not impressed by the problems that he can see. He is impressed by the God that he can't see. Elisha is not problem-oriented. He's solution-oriented. When the church begins to live more aware of the solution... Rather than the problems that we see, we might see more of his solutions manifested on planet Earth. The, problem is, or the, the solution is not always found by staring at the problem a bit more closely. Have you realized that? Elisha is not intimidated by the problem. We want to live our lives where our awareness of God's presence and what God can do in and through us is greater than whatever problem is going on in our life. That's not just a healing principle. That's an all of the Christian life principle. When my awareness of what God can do is like this and my awareness of the problems in my life is like this, what do I have? Hope, trust, faith, joy, peace, right? When my awareness of the problems in my life are like this and my awareness of what God's presence can do is like this, what do I have? Anxiousness, worry, fear, discouragement, depression, a whole bunch of things I'd rather not have, right? 
And that doesn't just come by... Sometimes I get concerned how some people live their Christian life. I think they have just enough Jesus in their life to be inoculated. <laughs> like, really? Like, I, maybe I just got big problems. Like, but, like, I need more than five minutes a day with Jesus. I need a lot more than that. Like, he didn't design me to run on five minutes of Jesus. He made it that I need a lot. Sometimes the, pro, the, the breakthroughs that we want to see are not found in hearing one more message or going to one more conference. Ooh, I say that putting my foot in my mouth because I'm speaking at a conference right now as I'm talking to you. But... I mean, sometimes it is found in the conference. But even if it is found in the conference, the only way to live it out is through closer relationship to someone. Sometimes people are going to the conference trying to get something that they can really only see happen through closer relationship to someone. Amen? Like, there's a lot of people on planet Earth that want to be delivered from something. Right? Pick your dysfunction. There's plenty of them. Right? There's a lot of people on earth that want to be delivered from something, but not as many people want to be delivered to someone. But God doesn't deliver people from something half as much as he delivers them to someone. Because in many ways, we don't get promoted past dependence on him. Amen? And so God has called me. Now, I said that. Still show up tomorrow and Tuesday, all right? I still think there's some breakthroughs that you might get out of this thing. But if you're trying to live it out after the conference, it's only going to happen through closer relationship to someone. It's only through abiding in Christ that we have any fruitfulness that happens in our life. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Amen? All right. I just think when Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, it looked like something more than five minutes in a devotional book each morning and a Sunday service. Amen? So, Healing ministry is not difficult. It's impossible. We're very, very easy, depending on who's involved. It's very, very easy for the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. Amen? Number two, healing is rare. Well, healing is not rare. It wasn't rare in the Bible. It's not rare today. End of the book of John, it says that if all the miracles that Jesus did were recorded, the whole world would not have room for the amount of books that it would contain. That means that what you read about in here is not the sum total, the exhaustive list of all that Jesus did. In fact, it's not even the tip of the iceberg. Like, whole world would not have room for the amount of books it would contain. That's a lot. There's spots in the Bible where it talks about how there was not one sick in their number. After doing healing meetings for over a decade now, I've come to the conclusion the average American doesn't need one healing. They need like eight healings. And it's so funny. Hey, there's, I'm an American, so I think it's okay to chuckle at my own culture. Right? Now that I spend my life in all sorts of random cultures in the world, I'm like, you know, like I see this, we were out doing a treasure hunt in Moore Park, Southern California, earlier this year. And people from the church walked up to this guy Oh, you know, and they're talking to him. You know, you got any pain or problem? Anybody? No, 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 I'm completely fine. Oh, okay, well, well, and they start chatting a little more, and the guy's like, oh, yeah, I got out of the hospital yesterday, and this, this, and this are wrong. And I was like, wow, that is so American. I am completely fine. I don't need healing, but I left the hospital yesterday because I'm so messed up. <laughs> You'll have Americans that'll look you straight in the face and say, brother, I am completely healthy. By this they mean they do not have cancer or heart disease at the moment. 
But this same person has back pain, headaches, fibromyalgia. They don't see 20-20. They have arthritis. Their knees sound like Rice Krispies when they go up and down stairs. They have swelling in their feet, high blood pressure medication, high blood sugar medication, depression medication, sleep apnea machine at home. And yet they'll look you straight in the face and say, I am completely healthy. In my opinion, that is not completely healthy. Fair enough? So, when the Bible is saying there was not one sick in their number, that's a crazy amount of healings to have happen. That's more than a healing per person. That's a lot. Amen? I'd venture to say that 90-some healings happening this morning should show that healing is not all that rare. Amen? But if we expect it to be rare, what are we going to get because of what we believe? I mentioned this earlier today, but the disciples were not surprised when healing happened. They were surprised when healing didn't happen. When they prayed for the mute boy in Mark chapter 9 and he didn't get healed, they were legitimately surprised. They went to Jesus and said, why didn't this work when we prayed? If we want to see similar results to what they see in the Gospels and in the book of Acts, I'd venture to say that we should do what they did in the Gospels and the book of Acts, right? Their expectation was for healing to happen. Their expectation was not, well, maybe we'll give it a whirl and probably ain't going to work, but what do we got to lose? Right? All right. So healing healing is not rare. Number three, I have to have tons and tons of faith to see a healing happen. Well, Jesus said the faith the amount of a mustard seed is enough to move a mountain. How big is a mustard seed? Very small. I was preaching in Rajasthan, India, and I, it's a desert. And there's like two things that people did for their jobs. They, they either made bricks or they grew mustard. And I don't know even what percentage of the crowd that I was speaking to was literate. But when I asked them, how big is a mustard seed? Every single one of them knew the answer to that question. They said, it's really, really tiny. And I said, That's all the faith Jesus says that you need to have in order to see the mountain moved. But because I wasn't seeing so much breakthrough in my life earlier, I thought, man, if I just had faith the amount of a mountain, then I'll see a mountain moved. How many of you realize that if Jesus says something and I think something and there is a difference between the two, guess who's right? (laughs) Jesus. This is church. Jesus is the answer, right? I heard Bill Johnson say this, and I thought it was great. Like the Sunday school teacher was talking to these kids and said, what is brown or gray, has a big bushy tail, is covered in fur, and likes acorns? And the kids were just all completely quiet. And the teacher's thinking, this is not that difficult. So it tries one more time, like big bushy tail, like small, like in the tree. Finally, one kid, he gets up the nerve and he raises his hand and he's like, teacher, I know the answer has to be Jesus, but somehow that sounds like a squirrel. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's Sunday school. Jesus is the answer, right? Come on now. (sighs) All right. So if Jesus says something and I think something and there's a difference, he's right. I'm wrong. Now, what would happen if I believed him? It might change my experience, right? I can't start 
with my experience and then twist all the Bible to make my experience, right? Essentially make up a God in my image. And then wonder, wait a second, I'm not sure if that God's even real. Let me assure you, he's not real. You made him up. Amen? Amen. He never was real. I'll just, I'll just shoot straight with you. That God does not exist. He is a figment of your imagination. We don't make up a God in our image. He made us in his image. And we let him define us rather than us redefine whatever in order to fit how we think it ought to be. Amen? Amen. I have to start with what this says to be true. And as I believe this, my experience follows. And that's for all of the Bible. I don't just pick and choose. All right. So, you don't need tons and tons of faith to see a healing happen. Faith, the amount of a mustard seed should be enough to do the trick. Number four. Number four. After I've read my Bible enough, prayed enough, confessed everything good enough, and then and only then will God heal. When I thought like that, that was me having a very poor concept of grace. That was me trying to earn grace. Now, healing, let's put it this way. Before the Bible was ever written, at least the New Testament was written in English. The New Testament was written in Greek. And uh, the Greek word for salvation is the word sozo. And sozo is not just forgiveness of sins and a ticket to heaven when we die. It also includes healing. It includes deliverance. In short, what we need. So, for example, in James chapter 5, it says, If anyone is sick, let him call the elders of the church, and the prayer of faith will sozo them. That's the word for salvation right there, which we translate into our American Bibles as will heal them, because healing is an aspect of sozo. Now, let's say I go to Pastor Steve, and I say, okay, I really want to go to heaven when I die. And he's like, that's great. What are you doing about it? Well, I'm really trying to be a good person. Shouldn't he point out to me, Paul, actually, you can't be good enough. Right? If you could be good enough to earn forgiveness of sins, then why did Jesus die on the cross? He didn't need to. You need God's grace. And not only that, you trying to work to be good enough to earn salvation is keeping you from ever experiencing it. You need to realize you can't be good enough. Well, if that's how forgiveness of sins works, which is a part of sozo, then healing works the exact same way, which is also a part of sozo. You cannot earn a healing ministry, and trying to earn a healing ministry will keep you from ever experiencing it. You need God's grace. When it talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it calls them in the Greek the charismata, which... The root word is the Greek word charis, which is the word for grace. They are literally the gifts of grace. I heard Randy Cork say it this way, they're not the works amata. (laughs) They don't validate that everything in your life is perfect. God healing somebody when you pray does not validate that everything in your life is perfect. If it did, Jesus would be the only one who had a healing ministry. It doesn't even validate that everything's good with you and God. It doesn't even validate that you're even saved. Book of Matthew. People are going to come to Jesus. Master, didn't we heal the sick and cast out demons and prophesy in your name? Now say, depart from me. I never knew you. Non-believers can have healing ministries. 
Some of you are like, wait a second, this is just violating all my theology. That's fine. I came here to violate some theology. It works. <laughs> some theology needs to be violated. Because here's the deal. When do people get a spiritual gift? Is it only after they're saved or can it be before? The reality is it can be either way. Right? Like Jeremiah. When was Jeremiah called? Jeremiah chapter 1. Even when he was in his mother's womb, he was called. He's not saved yet. There are people who may have very legitimate gifts from God, and they might go to some random church people and be like, well, God's showing me this, or God's doing that. And the church people are like, well, God doesn't do that anymore today. Yeah. And they're like, well, I know that that's real. And so then they go get their gift anointed by the wrong spirit, right. which is a real bummer. Yes. Amen? Yes. I refuse to give anything over to the new age. That I mean, Jesus was the most supernatural person who ever lived. The church was designed to be the most supernatural institution. Amen. Some people hear the word supernatural and they get fearful. And it's like, no, this is how Jesus designed us to be. <laughs> you serve the most supernatural Amen. king. Amen? Amen? So, healing is about God's grace and healing ministry is about God's grace. And you can't earn what God wants to give for free. Really, also, if you look at church history, you'll see that there's been no shortage of people in the body of Christ who have been less than perfect who have had healing ministries. Sometimes when some revival happens and people are like, oh, look at, see that minister? He wasn't a perfect person. We found later he did this or whatever. That shows that it must not have been God. I'm like, no, actually, that shows that it's God's grace. Because if God only worked through perfect people, we wouldn't have seen 95 healings happen this morning. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Just being real with you. So, number five and number six. Healing ministry is not for everybody in the body of Christ, just for certain pastors, evangelists, people who have a spiritual gift for healing. And number six, healing ministry was meant to be an event, not a lifestyle. So in a lot of churches that I preach in on planet Earth, they see healing ministry as an event. In other words, we have a healing service, we have a healing conference, a healing crusade, somebody's sick, we call the elders of the church, we anoint them with oil, and all of that's great, all of that's biblical. We're having a healing conference right now. However, it just was never meant to be limited to that. Jesus and his disciples did not see healing ministry predominantly as an event. They saw it predominantly as a lifestyle. A lot of church people think healing ministry is predominantly for inside a church. Jesus and his disciples saw healing ministry as predominantly for outside of church. Virtually every single healing that you read about that happens in the Bible does not happen inside the four walls of the church. It happens outside of church. How many of you want to see the anointing on your life increase greatly? I have a tip for you. Pray for people outside of church. Because you can't help but see a link between healing and evangelism in the Bible. In fact, Jesus' whole concept of evangelism was healing ministry. It wasn't, let's go argue with a bunch of people. Like, I'm thankful for anybody doing any kind of evangelism in any way. Anything that allows people to get saved and come to know Jesus, I'm happy for. But I just think that maybe some methods work better than others. Fair enough? 
I use these verses this morning. I'll do it one more time. I realize not all of you are here. Hang in there, those of you that were here this morning. Luke 9, 1 and 2. So Jesus had a healing ministry. He wanted it multiplied. Sometimes in the church, people think, well, healing ministry is just for a select few. And then maybe they have some experience for that. Maybe they're not seeing so much breakthrough. Their friends are not seeing so much breakthrough. And see, then they think, well, see, that proves it. Healing ministry is only for a few. You know, you can think something and even have an experience for it, but that doesn't mean it's actually true, right? right? You can think God doesn't love me, and then something bad happens, and think, see, that proves that God doesn't love me, but that doesn't mean it's true. So I want to prove to you from the Bible that Jesus is not trying to limit healing ministry as much as possible. Actually, he's trying to multiply it as much as possible. All right? So, Luke 9, 1 and 2, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So, Jesus multiplies healing ministry to the 12. He doesn't just say, go find all the sick people, bring them all to me, and I'll pray for them all. No, no, he actually is literally telling them, you go heal the sick wherever you go. Amen? Amen. He does this again, second time. Oh, I got it. I kind of talked about this a little this morning, but I got to delve into it a little bit more, okay? These guys aren't perfect, right? Twelve disciples, James and John, they're wanting fire to come down from heaven to annihilate the village by the end of Luke chapter 9. Same chapter, they're already trying to be serial killers on their evangelism outing, right? (laughs) And then you got Judas, he's not perfect. I mean, these guys are not perfect. They're qualified because Jesus qualified them, not because they're so perfectly holy, right? And, um, I find it fascinating how Jesus approaches this because a lot of churches that believe in healing ministry believe something like this. Like, we've got to get them saved. We get them baptized in the Holy Spirit. We have them grow in character. We have them grow in theology. And then as a byproduct of all of this successful discipleship, now we can empower them to go and reach the lost. And now we can empower them in spiritual gifts. Problem. Well, two problems. Number one. Then we wonder why nobody in the church does anything. Because only 3% of the people are allowed to do anything. Amen? Problem number two. It's just the exact opposite of what Jesus did. The church, I'd say, tends to err on the side of we want to make sure everybody is looking just perfectly before we send them out. Because we don't want any mess out there. Jesus didn't err on that side. Jesus erred on the side of what he says in Luke 10, verse 2, 3, and 4. The harvest is plentiful, but workers are few. We need more harvesters to go out there and reach the harvest. Jesus was all right. How do I say it? Jesus did not see healing ministry, spiritual gifts, and evangelism to be the byproduct of successful discipleship. He saw that just as much a part of discipleship as all the rest. Like he sees, Jesus sees, this is a discipleship opportunity when these guys are trying to annihilate the village. Or this is whatever. Like this is a moment of, of a growth opportunity. Amen? And if we limit this to only 3% of people in the body of Christ, we're never going to empower the woman at the well to reach her village. We just disqualified one of the best evangelists in the whole Bible. She reached her whole village. We're certainly not going to empower to reach the men of her village. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Heck no. You got to stay away from them. (laughs) Right? 
I'm just trying to get you to think for a little bit. You don't have to agree with me on everything, but I just want you to think for a little bit. Like, what are they actually doing in this book? Not just like what we've kind of accepted is to be like, oh, good cultural, church cultural ideas. Right? Like, okay, I want people baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's obvious, right? But I don't like it when anybody disqualifies anybody from seeing God work through them. These guys are not baptized in the Holy Spirit yet. That's Pentecost, post-crucifixion, post-resurrection. This is Luke 9. This is pre. Amen? Now, do you want people to baptize in the Holy Spirit? Obviously. But what I, I just don't like when people are like, oh, I'm disqualified for ministry because I haven't done this or that or whatever yet. Jesus was not in the business of disqualifying people. He was in the business of qualifying people. He qualified people that nobody in the world would pick to qualify. And he still is in the business of doing that today. So, the average pastor would look at this if their model was, okay, we're sending these 12 guys out to go and reach the surrounding community, and then by the end of Luke 9, they're wanting fire to come from heaven to annihilate the village, and think, you know what? Like, maybe we need to rethink our strategies here. Like, like you too, especially, you need to sit down there and you need to listen to a few more messages. We're going to make sure this takes, right? But, but what about Jesus? Does he learn from his mistake? As if Jesus makes mistakes. No, no, no. Jesus is doubling down. Like, notice the progression. Luke 9, 1 and 2, he sends out the 12 disciples. Luke 9, 54, when the disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. By like seven verses later, Luke 10, verse 1, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And then in verse 9, he tells them, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Jesus is doubling down. He's like, we really need to do this. We sent out 12. We had some impact. We need more. Let's get 72 more out there. Now, he didn't say, wait a second. I can't tell you two to go and heal the sick because neither one of you two have the spiritual gift for healing. So you get in the group with that guy. You get in that group. and Okay, now you can go. It just doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that you never get to see a healing happen unless you have a spiritual gift for healing. And how does somebody even get a spiritual gift for healing or a spiritual gift for anything for that matter? I remember some guy telling me, you know, brother, I think that's great that you're pursuing healing, but, you know, I'm really just kind of focused on character and everything at the moment. You know, if, if God wants to give it to me, you know, I'm in my prayer closet. He knows where to find me. I, I think he thought what he was saying was really holy and noble, but I just looked at him and I'm like, you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, there's a command. It says, eagerly desire the gifts. So you're going to work on trying to grow in character by disobeying a command in the Bible. That might not work so good. Amen? Amen. How does somebody even get a spiritual gift for healing? How do you get a spiritual gift for anything? Let's say I want to have a spiritual gift for teaching. I go to Pastor Steve. I really want to have a spiritual gift for teaching. He says, that's great. What are you doing about it? Well, 
reading in my Bible the passages about teaching, and I'm praying and praying for a gift for teaching, and, and even sometimes I'm fasting for a spiritual gift for teaching. The question he should ask me is, but are you teaching anything anywhere? Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, no, 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 no. But if God sovereignly wants to give me a spiritual gift for teaching, I'm praying for it, and he knows where to find me. <laughs> that might not work perfectly. Right? We learn by doing. Sometimes we've over-spiritualized these things. But you learn by doing. I'm not saying don't pray and seek God about it or fast or whatever. I'm just saying that is not a substitute for doing. Amen. That's in addition to. Amen? Amen? All right. So Jesus multiplies healing ministry in Luke 9 and Luke 10 for the purposes of reaching the lost. He does it a third time in the Great Commission. We established this morning the Great Commission is for every single believer. It's not just for pastors, evangelists, and guest speakers. And the Great Commission is a Great Commission of power. So when he says these signs follow them to believe, they lay hands on the sick and they recover, that's a part of the Great Commission. When it says... You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Be witnesses all over the earth. The Great Commission is a great commission of power. And it's for every single believer. So you have been qualified for healing ministry, and you are qualified when you are given the Great Commission. You don't have to do anything to be qualified. You are already qualified. Amen? All right. So healing ministry was meant to be a lifestyle for everyone, and it's, yeah, it's for everyone and meant to be a lifestyle. Number seven. I don't need to go over and pray for anybody. I can pray just fine at home or at the church prayer meeting. <clears throat> that sounds really, really good in theory, right? Like God's sovereign, it's not really about me, so why do I need to go over and pray for anybody? But sometimes I get a little nervous when people have like a really hyper-Calvinistic sovereignty of God bent to them because I think sometimes we, it's a failure to understand how God works. Like, God is sovereign, yes, but that doesn't mean that my response to his sovereignty is passiveness. Amen. Passiveness is not one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Like God works through relationship. <clears throat> God and his sovereignty has decided to sovereignly work through you and me. That is not the lesser way that God works. That's the most common way that God works. And you see it all throughout the Bible. God and his sovereignty is a side of sovereign work through people. So, book of Exodus. People cry out to God. God, rescue us. God, deliver us. The Egyptians are oppressing us. What does God do? God and his sovereignty is a side of sovereignty work through people. He sends Moses. He sends Aaron. Now, God sends people, but that doesn't mean that he isn't going to also do some supernatural things. Because clearly he does in the story. But he works through people. Book of Judges. People cry out to God, God rescue us, God deliver us, the Philistines are oppressing us. What does God do? God in his sovereignty has decided to sovereignly work through people. God sends Samson, he sends Deborah, he sends women too. He sends Shamgar, Samson, Gideon, so on and so forth, right? Acts chapter 9, Ananias is praying. Now, the Bible does not say Ananias is praying, and I know we're not supposed to add to the Bible, but I think it's a very reasonable, educated guess to say that Ananias is praying. Here's why. There's a guy named Saul. He's coming to town. He's famous 
for arresting and killing Christians. Now, if someone was going to come here to Sutter's Creek and they were famous for arresting and killing Christians, how many of you would be praying? <laughs> so I think it's reasonable to say that Ananias is probably praying about this. Fair enough? So Ananias is praying about this and God speaks to him. And he says, I want you to go find a guy named Saul. And he's over on Straight Street. And he needs healing for his eyes. And what does Ananias do? God, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> you know, I've heard some things about that guy. And, and you know, Peter's crazy. He'll do anything. How about you send him? <laughs> but God in his sovereignty has decided to sovereignly work through people. Ananias is praying, God, why don't you do something? And God's like, yes, let's go do something. Amen. Because how does God answer prayer? Many times it's through relationship. There are answers to prayer that get aborted all of the time, and it's because Christians are unwilling to partner with God to bring about the answer. There are answers to prayer that get aborted all of the time, and it's because Christians are unwilling to partner with God through relationship to bring about the answers. Because Ananias is praying passive, well, God's sovereign, you can go and do something, let me stay away from afar. And God is saying, we have a personal relationship. Let's go. God works through people. So, Ananias goes. I think he's happy that he went. Saul gets healed. He becomes Paul. He ends up writing half of the New Testament. When I look at virtually every single healing story that happens in the Bible, they basically all involve some kind of direct personal encounter. There's two exceptions that I see. The Roman centurion on behalf of the person that isn't there, and the handkerchiefs and aprons in the book of Acts, which shows, I think, that the anointing can be transmitted through different objects. But otherwise, you, you never see Jesus walking down the road and some leper says, Master, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus is like, yeah, guess what? You're number one on my prayer list for the next two weeks. See you later. Have a good day. <laughs> next Tuesday, we have a church prayer meeting. We will be praying for you then. Like I said, if, if we have concepts of how we think healing ministry ought to work and we can't find that anywhere in the Bible... And if we would say that the North American church has not been the epitome of breakthrough that we see in the Bible, I would say let's question any ideas we have about how this works that we can't find in there. Amen. How does God live in California? He lives as the Holy Spirit inside of you and me. So how are healings and miracles going to happen in California? By the Holy Spirit through you and me. Unless we don't give him an opportunity. Amen? A lot of times the church thinks that we're waiting on God and God is in fact waiting on us. We're praying, God, God, send a healing revival. God, want to see people touched. Okay, Paul, when do we get to go and heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God has come near them? Well, no, God, that's not what I meant. <laughs> Paul, but that is what I meant. Uh, God, God, uh, I don't think you're getting the picture of what I'm trying to pray for. Like, I mean, you sovereignly go and do, like, yeah, yeah, Paul. I don't think you're getting the picture. 
I think you're actually trying not to get the picture. Oh, I'm not the only one who has these conversations with God, am I? <laughs> Come on now. God works through people. He'll work through somebody. We're missing our opportunity. I mean, God will, God will find somebody to do it. He's just looking for people who will give him an opportunity. Amen? Amen. Acts chapter 3, I find this fascinating. Peter and John, when they see the crippled man who's walking, leaping, and praying and praising God, that, that guy, uh, where are they going? Does anybody remember? Temple. At what time? Hour of prayer, yes. Acts 3, verse 1. Peter and John are walking to the temple at the time of prayer, and they see a crippled man. What do they do? 99% of North American Christians would say, you know what, I can pray for that crippled man inside the church prayer meeting. Right? Like they're, they're going to the temple at the time of prayer. Right? That's literally the church prayer meeting. Right? Is that what they did? It's fascinating, isn't it? They stop. And they go and they talk to the guy, and the man get healed, gets healed. And 3,000 people get added to their number that day. There's all sorts of opportunities that we have that we walk past because we're missing out on what God has in front of us. And I'd say one of the biggest reasons why we miss out is because Christians are disqualifying themselves and living in introspection and beating themselves up over, oh, I can't believe I did that yesterday. And I mean, this is Peter and John. Peter's just denied Jesus three times. John just wanted fire to come from heaven to annihilate the village. <laughs> They're not sitting there thinking, what was I thinking? He was Jesus. And I just, you know, and I blew it. He's not spending his life in introspection, missing out on the opportunities that God has put in front of him. He's externally focused in love, not internally focused on disqualifying himself. Amen? So, these were my old mindsets related to healing. I'm sure nobody in this room has ever had any of these mindsets before, including myself. If they're working well for you, by all means, continue. If they're not, might I recommend different ones? Number one, Jesus loves sick people. Amen. Right? Number two, Jesus wants to heal them. Sometimes people aren't so sure about this. I had a guy in Alaska ask me, Paul, if you have a sick person that's in front of you, how do you ascertain what the will of God is for that person? And I think he thought he was asking me a very deep, complicated question. I thought it was really simple. I looked at him. I said, is Jesus God? He said, yes. I said, how many people did Jesus heal? All of them. How many of them did he say, you know what? I could heal you. But if you keep the tumors for five more years, it'll make you as holy as Mother Teresa, and that's what I really care about. <laughs> None of them. How many of them did he say, yeah, you got a deaf ear, but it's really helping you learn a bunch of good spiritual lessons, and that's what I really care about. So, like, you need to keep the deaf ear for a while because it'll make you as smart as Albert Einstein. None of them. Can you even find one place in the entire Bible where instead of ministering healing to the sick person, they're counseling that person and how to grow in character by being sick. 
and what lessons God's trying to teach them by being sick? Does it even exist in their once? No. Then what do you think God's will is? Heal the person. Well, but, but I, I prayed for them and they didn't get healed. Well, guess what? Here's a shocking revelation. You and I are not the epitome of Jesus Christ's will always perfectly manifested 24-7. Like, it just, it, it bugs me a little bit when I hear some person, they prayed for this person, they didn't get healed, and then they're telling them, well, that means that it's not God's will for you to be healed. Really? So like if Jesus was standing there with you, like, let's, let's put this personal. I go, I pray for this person. They don't get healed. Like if Jesus is standing right here, I really don't think Jesus is going to tell them, you know what? Paul gave it a go and it just didn't work. It's not my will to touch you. I'm pretty sure Jesus would heal them. Right? Like I cannot reduce God's will to my prayer experience. Like how arrogant is that, right? Like I prayed for you, you didn't get healed. So clearly God's will is for you to be sick because if it ever would have happened, it would have happened when I prayed because I'm the epitome of God's will perfectly manifested. Like, that's not what I'm saying, but that's what I'm saying. Amen? Why did they not get healed? I don't know, but if Jesus was there, they would have. We're all in the process of growing and learning on this. Please, whatever you do, don't rebuke the sick person. Oh, it makes my blood boil. I was the guy who had cancer for three years and went to a bunch of different healing meetings. Uh, I get annoyed sometimes. Somebody doesn't even want prayer in the service. And it's because how many other people tried to figure out what sins are in their life that kept them from getting healed? And I mean, that poor person's already gone on a spiritual witch hunt of their life, and they've gone on much more of, you know, and I spent three years racking my brain of anything I could possibly figure out that I wasn't living whatever, the way that God wanted me to live in. And then that guy who just prayed over me, like, you know, he's just complacent Joe Blow, and then he's trying to go on a witch hunt of my life. I want to smack him. <laughs> then I probably did have something I needed to confess. <laughs> it was going through my mind towards him. <laughs> Don't blame the sick person. Jesus did not rebuke the mute boy in Mark chapter 9 that didn't get healed. He rebuked the disciples when he didn't get healed. And then he healed the mute boy, which should cause all of us a little bit of humility that aren't seeing 100% breakthrough in healing, which is everybody in the room, I'm pretty sure. Amen? So, Jesus loves the sick. He wants to heal the sick, okay? Number three, I don't have the right to disqualify myself from seeing Jesus heal the person in front of me. And we talked about that a bit this morning, but... One more time for those that weren't there. Like if somebody comes to me and they ask for prayer, I would start to think, well, I don't know if I've read my Bible enough today. I don't think it's going to work. I don't think I've prayed enough today. I don't think it's going to work. I said something bad yesterday. It's not going to work. I haven't fasted enough. It's not going to work. All of the disqualifying. Don't disqualify yourself. You don't want me disqualifying, disqualifying myself if I'm praying for you. And the person that you're praying for doesn't want you disqualifying yourself. You're qualified by Jesus. Don't disqualify yourself when Jesus qualified you. And number four, we'll get into that. Maybe a little more tomorrow or Tuesday, but it's just knowing who we are in Christ. I'm God's child. John chapter 1, verse 12. 
Jesus said that to those that have received him, to those that believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That means that if I have a personal relationship with God through Jesus, I'm his child. I see people approach healing ministry like they're gonna go gamble in Vegas. Maybe it's my lucky day, probably not, but we'll give it a try. And if that's how you approach it, you probably won't see very much results because Jesus said all things are possible to them who believe. Because of what you believe, you're not expecting a whole lot to happen. Fair enough? But if instead you see, I'm God's child. He gave me power and authority when he gave me the Great Commission. He's backing me up when I pray. So how can this person not get healed? If I start to believe like that, I might see very different results. So my new mindsets for healing are Jesus loves the sick person. He wants to heal them. I don't have the right to disqualify myself from seeing it happen. And I'm God's child. He gave me power and authority when he gave me the Great Commission. He's backing me up when I pray. So how can this person not get healed? Do you see how these mindsets might work a little better than these mindsets? They certainly did for me. Really, I mean, just as an overarching theme, any mindset that you have that has you coming up with a spiritual reason for why Jesus doesn't want to heal the person in front of you is what you should doubt. You shouldn't doubt the one who loves them that much and wants to heal them. So really, any thought process that has you coming up with something like why it's not going to happen right now, that's something you should question. I mentioned this earlier today, but how we pray for the sick makes a big difference. We want to pray the way they prayed in the Bible. They're not asking and begging and pleading with God to heal. They're praying with authority. Be healed. Be clean. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Stretch out your hand when the man has a withered hand. Ears be opened. Tongue be loosed. Their prayers for healing are virtually all commands. They're speaking to the mountain and command the mountain to be moved. They're not talking to God in heaven about the problem in front of them. They're speaking the problem, and the authority of the Holy Spirit is backing up their command. Amen. Does it make a difference? Absolutely. <laughs> when I was asking, begging, and pleading, nobody ever got healed. When I started praying with authority, I started seeing a whole lot of people getting healed every single year. There's a biblical principle there. Well, but brother, I don't feel so comfortable with that. Well, I don't know. If it was me... Get, learn, learn to be comfortable with not seeing people get healed. <laughs> just being real. Because I just didn't see very much breakthrough when I was asking God to heal the person in front of me. It's not about my comfort. Like, I want <laughs> that person in front of me that I'm praying for, they're the ones that are not feeling so comfortable. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. We want to see them get touched. So speak to the mountain and command the mountain to be moved. All right. So enough of me preaching. Way to go. If you didn't listen to me when I told you to record it on your phone, everything that I just said is on that CD back there. How's that? <laughs> Most everything. Okay. This is a good time to be healed in church. Sometimes people think, well, I have the problem, but it isn't so bad. That guy over there is supposed to be dead by Thursday. I'm going to let him get the prayer. No, no. Jesus can heal you and that guy who's really bad. Okay. So you're not doing anyone any favors by refusing to take prayer. So if you have the problem, whether it's horrible or minor, take prayer for it. Sound good? All right. Let's start with knees. If you had any problems with your knees, you have pain in your knees, you have bone on bone, you're missing cartilage, you have metal in your knees, you have 
<sighs> cracking, snapping, and popping in your knees. You have pain when you go for a run. Any problem with your knees of any variety, or ankles for that matter, go ahead and stand up right where you're at. All right, very good. Now, if you are standing, put your hand in the air. If you are sitting, I need your help. Stand up, go to somebody whose hand is in the air. All right, some of you, you are all ready to go after this morning. You are locked and loaded, but not everybody was there. Let me do the first round with training wheels to catch them up to speed, okay? So I want you to go to somebody that you did not drive to church here with today. I want you to go to Fresh Blood, okay? So nobody should just be sitting there. I need your help. This is all hands on deck. So stand up. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Go to somebody whose hand is in the air, please. Remember, God works through people. All right, if somebody has come to you, put your hand down. If no one has come to you, wave at me. All right, somebody needs, oh, they got you. Okay, right here. Can someone go? Ah, perfect, thank you. Anybody else? Uh, looks like these two. Do you have somebody or no? Okay, all right, I guess just one. Oh, behind you. He's got you. He's got your hand on, on your shoulder. All right, cool. All right, now, we got to find out, first of all, what they need healing for. So we don't need a whole medical history. 20 seconds or less. Explain what the problem is with the knees or with the ankles. Go ahead. All right, did you figure it out? All right, now, remember, don't get impressed by the problem. It's easy for Jesus, all right? I want you to tell the person who just told you their problem, I want you to tell them this is really, really easy for Jesus to heal. Very good. Isn't having faith just believing that it's easy for Jesus? All right. Kind of feels good to tell them that, all right? You know, I remember back when I worked at Teen Challenge years ago, I just started playing around with it. And I was like, because I'd be always playing for guys at work. And I was like, I wonder what would happen if I'd see more. I have a math minor, so I'm always looking at numbers, right? So I'm like, I wonder percentage-wise if more people would get healed if I just told them that it's easy for Jesus. And I just started, before I'd ever pray for somebody, I'd be like, oh, this is easy for Jesus to heal. And then percentage-wise, I started seeing a whole lot more healings happen. I was like, I think it's a universal stronghold that everybody thinks that their problem is so big for God. And it's just not. <laughs> Amen? It's really easy for Jesus. So, all right, the Bible says lay hands on the sick and they recover. So I want you to put your hand on the person where they need the healing, unless you shouldn't put your hand there. But we're talking knees and ankles. You can put your hands there, right? <laughs> if it's two knees, God gave you two hands. All right? Yeah, don't do the floating hand six inches away from the sick. The Bible says lay hands on the sick. It's definitely one of the ways the anointing flows. Okay, now, I realize that for some of you, the idea of commanding is still kind of a new thing, okay? So, first time, we'll do it with training wheels, and I'll turn you loose. So, I'll just have you repeat after me. So, say, Holy Spirit. Holy 
We release your presence presence to touch these bodies. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ, I command command all pain, pain, every problem, problem, get out out right now now, in Jesus' name. name. Be healed healed right now now. in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. All right, and now you out loud command whatever problem they told you about, you command that to get out of their body in Jesus' name. Go ahead. All right, amen. That should be plenty. You don't need a long prayer to see a healing happen. Do you know what T.L. Osborne is? Does anybody know who T.L. Osborne is? No? Oh, not that many. Okay, T.L. Osborne was called the father of crusade evangelism. I heard T.L. Osborne quoted as saying that any prayer for healing that we pray that takes longer than a minute wasn't done in faith. We're trying to work something up. I like that. All right, because the prayers for healing in the Bible were pretty short. Right? Typically like one sentence. All right, now check your body. It's not good enough to pray for them and run away because we're scared it didn't work. Check your body. See what's going on in there. All right, now. Hello, hello, hello. Okay, if you had a difference in your body, whether it's 1% better, 100% better, or anywhere in between, I want you to wave your hand at me nice and high wherever you... Yay, good to see you all waving. Thank you, Jesus. All right, not just that you had a difference, but if it's at least 70% better up to 100% better, I want you to wave your hand at me nice and high wherever you are in the room. All right, probably about 10 of you. Thank you, Jesus. Good. All right. Um, did, okay, maybe we'll have two of you share a testimony. Who wants to share what Jesus just healed you of? Go ahead, sit down. Yeah, what did Jesus do? What was wrong? Something torn in it, like a torn meniscus or torn ACL or what? Okay. Uh huh. And now? Thank you, Jesus. How long had it been that way? A couple years. Thank you, Jesus. Who else? One more of you want to share what Jesus healed you of? Yes. We're doing a house remodel, and I've been painting every single day, and it requires me to do a lot of bending. And I've had to be very purposeful about bending because my knees really hurt. And I can just like go down and come back up right now. And yeah. No pain at all. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. All right. So uh, sometimes when we pray for people, different things happen. Sometimes they're completely healed right away. Sometimes they are improved, but not perfect yet. There's nothing wrong with praying a second time for them. All right. We'll do that at the end of the night. Sometimes they cannot test it out. Maybe they have problems with their knees, but have to go for a run for two miles before they know whether or not the problem's healed or not. Who here would not know if you were healed? You can't test it out. Very good. Yeah. So obviously we still want to pray for these people because we hope they don't have the problem in the future, um, but they can't really test it out. And sometimes the pain or the problem seems to be the exact same. Now, this doesn't mean that they're not going to get healed. Sometimes it happens in the coming period of time. Okay. Uh, David Hogan, um, I, you guys know who David Hogan is? Okay, David Hogan is quoted as saying that uh, I think the majority of healings that he actually sees happen actually don't happen instantaneously. They actually happen next two or three days. Um, I'm thankful that 
Jesus likes to heal right of people right away in these meetings. So it's, it's good. I'm an American. I, I tell when Europeans are like, describe American culture. And I'm like, well, everybody's in a hurry. I don't know what they're in a hurry to do, but they're all in a hurry. They have to get home to get on Netflix or something, but they're in a rush to do it. I said, you know, if we cooked our food in the microwave, it still took too long. <laughs> ah, that's American culture, right? <laughs> Maybe not as much in rural California, but in, I'm sure in LA, it's probably a bit more like that, right? Okay, um, so I, I do like, I'm an American. I do like the instantaneously, of course. Okay, uh, let's keep going for it. Let's do this. If you have any problem with your... And don't worry, if we didn't cover your problem, we're going to have extended healing time tonight. But then also Monday and Tuesday, we're going to go after a lot of different things, okay? So hang in there. All right. If you get any problems with your back or your hips, or you know that you have a leg that's longer than the other, go ahead and stand up. All right. Now. This one we're going to do differently. I want those of you that are standing to all come stand right up here. So come on up here. And in fact, what I actually want you to do is not even to go there. I want you to sit in the first row. So I'm really sorry, people sitting in the first row. But can I kick you out of your seat just for a moment and you can go to the second row? Is that all right? Those of you that came up here because you have a back or hip problem or you know you have a leg longer than the other, go ahead and grab a seat somewhere in the first row. And there's chairs over there as well, over there. Can we borrow your your guys' seats over there, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I really don't like to kick people out of their seat at church, so forgive me. <laughs> it's just temporary. Okay. Um, and we still need a few more chairs. Can you guys, like, maybe here. grab a few more chairs? Oh, a couple more there. And then, um, yeah, if you can unhook a couple chairs, bring them up, that'd be great. Okay, now, do we got everybody covered? Maybe if you can move your chair back, because he's going to pick his feet up, and they're going to run straight into your chair. All right. Okay, now, the rest of you, what I need you to do is I want one or two of you to stand in front of each of these people. So one person here, or, or two people there, somebody here, somebody here, somebody here. So go ahead. Come on up. This is not, like I said this morning, this is not a Niners game where you're just watching Spectator sport. No, this is all hands on deck. All right. I realize that some of you weren't here this morning when we prayed and saw legs grow out. So um, who wants to see a leg grow out? Don't all volunteer quickly. All right. I see your hand right here. Let me borrow you. You put your hand up. Can I borrow you? Yeah. Is that all right? Can we grab your chair? I'll grab your chair. Okay, go ahead. Just stand right there. All right. So, so you guys know what to do. Okay, so grab a seat. Now, not everybody who has a back or hip problem has a leg longer than the other, but many times they do. And a lot of times they don't even realize that they do, okay? And so it's important that we check because especially if they have a job where they're standing on their feet all day long, like uh, you can pray and the back pain leaves, but if they're walking around with one leg two inches longer than the other, the pain's going to come right back because it's a symptom of a different problem. Does that make sense? So, ooh, if you guys do what they did, the people sitting behind you would be really happy, I bet. How's that? <laughs> so they can see. All right, so sit with your hips all the way back in the chair yep. and your knees together, and I'll pick up your feet and just relax. I got you. So just relax. Now, the way that you tell 
like completely relaxed. Like your legs are going to hit the ground if I let go. Perfect. All right. Now, the way that you tell is you look at the heels, okay? The tops of her feet, they move back and forth, right? The heels move back and forth a bit, but no matter how I hold her feet, I think you can see this one looks long, this one looks short, right? All right, so put your hand right here. Keep your eyes open. Say, in Jesus' name, grow. In Jesus' name, grow. Good, perfect. Awesome. Now, did you feel it or no? Yeah, good, awesome. Now it's your turn, okay? So have the person sit with their hips all the way back in the chair. Have them sit with their knees together. By the way, it's easier to tell if you keep your shoes on, and it's also better for their noses if you do too, okay? <laughs> so if you have shoes or sandals, that would be great. All right? Then go ahead, push back on their heels, push their heels towards them, okay? Then once you look at the heels of the feet, okay, figure out which heel is looking long, which one is looking short. When you can figure out which one is long and which one is short, you command the shorter one to grow. Just say, in Jesus' name, grow, or grow, grow, grow. Keep your eyes open, because you want to watch it happen, okay? All right, and if you need help figuring out which one is longer and which one is shorter, wave at me, and I'll come help you. Okay. Okay, let's take a look. So, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So put your hand on the, the shorter one. Yeah, okay. just say in Jesus' name grow and then watch. In Jesus' name grow. There, see it? Yeah, just like yours. All right, who else? You need help figuring out which one is longer or shorter? Okay, excuse me, I'm going to squirt through here. Okay, so let me grab them real quick. All right, uh, just relax, I got you. So this one looks like it's, can you go any closer? Perfect. All right, that one looks like it's long, right? See? And that one looks short. So put your hand on the short one. Put your hand right here. Just say, in Jesus' name, grow and watch. In Jesus' name, grow. See it? It just came out. Good. All right. Anybody else needs help figuring out which one is longer or shorter? Okay. Excuse me. I'll come this side of you. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That one's definitely. Okay. So put your hand on the short one. Just say, in Jesus' name, grow, and then watch. In Jesus' name, grow. See it? Oh. It just came out. <laughs> Did it? No, it looks good. Okay. Anybody else? Okay, let's take a look. Okay, so sit with your hips back. Take up the feet. Ah, oh, you're looking pretty even, I think. Uh, that looks pretty even. All right. Okay, how many of you saw leg grow out when you did this? Yay, good, kind of fun, huh? All right, now, go ahead, have the person stand up who is sitting down. Now, hopefully they didn't tell you what the back or hip problem is. If they did, swap with the person who's next to you, all right? Because we're going to practice getting a word of knowledge, okay? So, did they already tell you? She told me. I oh, okay, no problem. Go ahead and you can, you can come back. Do you need help? Or are you good? Okay. Um, so then just swap with whoever's next door to you, okay? So then somebody else will be in charge of ministering to her, and then she'll go to whoever he was with. All right? Okay. What I want you to do is put your hand on the shoulder of the person who is sitting in the chair. <clears throat> Do you guys know what I mean when I say a word of knowledge? No. Okay. So let me explain. Maybe you've seen the 700 Club or Benny Hinn on TV or one of those guys and they're like, 
lung cancer. God's healing someone right now of lung cancer. And you're like, how does he know? Well, he's getting a word of knowledge. And it's not just for the guy who's on TV. It's for anybody in the body of Christ. But you have to know what you're looking for, okay? So there's many different ways that God speaks in giving a word of knowledge. One of which is you might get a picture or image in your mind's eye. Okay, how many of you get prophetic words for people by getting a picture or image in your mind's eye? Yeah, okay, so it's just like that. But, and don't worry if you don't, all right? It's a good time to start, all right? So, uh, so it's just like that, but instead of whatever you're going to prophesy over the person, God might just show you a picture of a foot or a picture of a knee or a picture of their right hip or a picture of, you know, a vertebrae in the middle part of their back. And God's showing you that's where that person needs a healing at, okay? So we're just going to practice hearing from God for where that person might need healing, okay? So it's okay if you get it wrong. Nobody's going to stone you as a false prophet if you get it wrong. Or I won't stone you as a false prophet if you get it wrong. I don't know about the rest of these people. But, <clears throat> so just take 10 seconds, put your hand on their shoulder, ask God to show you a picture in your mind of where this person needs a healing at in their back or their hips, Okay, now, tell them whatever you felt like God showed you. And don't sit there and think, is that God or is that me or is that the hamburger I had for lunch? Just spit it out. good. Now, be honest. Don't tell them they got it right if they got it wrong, all right? We're not trying to, they can handle it, okay? All right. And then go ahead and pray for the person. Invite Holy Spirit to touch them. Command the pain or problem to get out of them in Jesus' name. Go ahead. I had three kids. Yeah. Yeah, have the person who is there with you pray over you. Okay. They're supposed to be praying for you right now. Okay. Yeah. Drive it out. Command it to go. Pain, get out of them. All right. Amen. All right, now check out your back and your hips. See how they're doing. All right. Now, how are you doing? All right, if you just had a difference in your back or your hips, whether it's a lot better or a little better, or somewhere in between, I want you to wave your hand at me nice and high wherever you, hey, good to see you waving. All right. And who here is at least 70% better in their back or their hips? Raise your hand nice and high. Okay, good. So there and there and there and all right. Do I have one of you who wants to share a quick testimony of what Jesus did? Yes. So I've had, sorry, tendonitis for a couple months in yeah. my lower back. And so it's usually just when I like exercise or try to squat or whatever. But I don't feel anything anymore. It's all Thank good. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Hallelujah. God is good. 
Awesome. Okay. Don't be modest and raise your hand like this. Raise your hand nice and high. Who here got the word of knowledge correct for the person in front of you? Raise your hand nice and high. Good. How many of you, that was the first time you've ever gotten a word of knowledge for somebody before? Yay, good. Happy for you. Good. All right, go ahead, grab a seat. We'll do, we'll do one more round. All right. Now, if you have been improved over the course of this evening, but you are not perfect yet, go ahead and stand up. So let's say you had back or hip pain and it's reduced, but it's not perfect, okay? Or knee problems that got improved or whatever, okay? And let's add to it if you have ringing in your ears, you have tinnitus, or any ear problem. You have hearing problem. You have hearing problem. Just making sure you didn't miss your opportunity. Go ahead and stand up. If you have a problem with your thyroid, go ahead and stand up. All right. Now, those of you that are standing, put your hand in the air. Those of you that are sitting, I need your help. One more go around. I want you to stand up. Go to somebody whose hand is in the air, please. Go to somebody that you did not drive to church here with today. Go for fresh blood. Go, go, go. No one should just be sitting there. I need your guys' help. There's a bunch of hands there. Go to somebody. All right. If someone has come to you, put your hand down. If no one has come, wave. Somebody needs to go to the woman in the back of the room, back there. Someone needs to go to this woman over here. Please. All right. Are you needing somebody? Somebody needs to, you guys can go to him. You're right there next to him. All right. Now, again. Uh, oh, they're behind you. The woman's behind you. All right. Okay. Now, go ahead, find out what, yeah, I think the woman be, uh, you're praying for, right? Oh, they're praying for each other. Oh, okay. Uh, are you coming? Thank you. All right. One more? Someone needs to go over there. That gentleman right there. All right. Thank you. Okay. Now, again, find out what's going on so you know what in the world you're praying for. Go ahead. You know what to do? Lay hands on the person. Invite Holy Ghost to touch them. Command the pain or problem to get out of their body in Jesus' name. Go after it. Drive it out. If they've had an improvement but aren't perfect yet, thank Jesus for the difference and command again.
All right, amen. Have them test it out. If they're able to. I realize a thyroid might be hard to test out at the moment. Test your body. See what God's doing in there. All right. Hello, hello, hello. Okay. Okay. If you had a difference in your body, whether it's 1% or 100% better after they just prayed, raise your hand nice and high. Very good. All right. Now, if you are at least 70% better for whatever they prayed for you for, raise your hand nice and high. Or there, or there. Yeah, good. All right. Okay. Go ahead, grab a seat. Now, we had round one this morning. For some of you, you had round one and round in two because you double dipped, which is fine. But we had round one this morning for most of you, and now we had round two tonight. So I want you to think over the course of this evening, all right? So uh, again, for those that weren't here this morning, I count healings the way that Randy Clark does. He figures if they're at least 70% better in their body in the meeting, that they'll be 100% by the time they get home or in the next few days. So I want you to think, since you walked in through the doors of this church tonight, how many body parts or conditions are at least 70% better? So, like for example, if when they prayed for, what did we even, it all burst together for me a while. Thank you. Knees. And your knees got 70% better. That's one. If they prayed and your leg grew out, that'd be two. If then your back pain disappeared, that's three. And then in, when you're in that last group, if they prayed for something else that I called out, then that's my, yeah, whatever. That's, yeah, the ring's gone, whatever. Then that's four, okay? So I want you to raise up fingers for however many things that Jesus did at least 70% in your body for tonight. So raise up fingers, nice and high. I'm going to count them all in just a moment. So I'm waiting for you to get a chance to get them up so we can see what God did. All right. One, two, three, four, five, six. Is that three? Four, okay, uh, 10, 3, 13, 14, 15, did I get you? I don't remember, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42. I like that Jesus heals the people up there, that's good. All right, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, and 50. Nice, even number. Thank you, Lord. Can we give Jesus praise for what he did here? Thank you, Jesus. We give you all the glory. We praise you, Jesus. So we give Jesus the glory, but I want to say thank you to you because you prayed for these people and you saw Jesus heal them. Oh, by the way, was there anybody that you got prayed for for something this morning and you couldn't test it out this morning, but since this morning, now you know you're healed? Is there anybody like that? Yeah, very good. One, two, three. How many more things was that? What, what, well, it's just here. What was it? It was my neck. Uh-huh. And now since then you've tested and you know? I don't have any pain. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Good. Who else you couldn't test out this morning and now you know you're healed? Over there? Good. And there was one back there, I think, too, right? Cool. What was it? Thank you. 
Thank you, Jesus. So I think we were at around 95 healings going into tonight. So that's like now up to like 53 more. So we're like almost at 150 in one day that you guys saw. I think the collective health of this church has gotten better. <laughs> All right, but here's the deal. You realize that there are people out there that need what you've experienced in here. Let's put it this way. I heard Bill Johnson say this. I can't take credit for it. Bill Johnson said that whatever happens in church and stays inside of church will die inside of church. It's what gets outside the four walls of the church that thrives inside of church. Because God never intended the church to be a club as onto itself. That we just look after each other and take care of each other. Like, he kind of cares about there's the harvest that's plentiful and workers are few. Let me be real with you. People are way more open than you might think. If you offer to pray for your average person in your county, they're going to say yes. If you see somebody and they're limping and you said, excuse me, I noticed that you're limping. What happened? And you listen to them and then you shake their hand and say, my name is so-and-so. And I just prayed for some people yesterday and I actually saw God heal them. Can I pray for you? The majority of people will say yes, not no. I've gone up to literally thousands of people outside of church over the last decade. I get probably about 65% that will say yes. And you're going to get a better percent than me. You are. Because who does most of the crime in society? It's single younger males. I'm who they're suspicious of. (laughs) If I get 65%, like if you're a middle-aged woman, you're going to get like 95% saying yes. Nobody's expecting that you're going to cause any problems. I'm just being real. My most difficult demographic is not people in the inner city. It's, it really isn't. Like, my most difficult demographic is mothers with young children. They're the ones that are like, wait, what are you trying to do? You're trying, you're doing something to my child, I'm sure. Like, if I get 65%, you'll get a lot better than that. What happens if they say they don't want prayer? You say, God bless you, have a good day. It's not that big of a deal. What happens if they don't get healed? You say, God bless you, have a good day. Thank you for letting me pray for you. It's not that big of a deal. It's only a big deal if you think it's a big deal. Ah, Another Bill Johnson quote for you. This is from the movie. He said, sometimes the church thinks that it'll hurt God's reputation if we offer to pray for a sick person and they don't get healed. But what if it hurts God's reputation much more the church doesn't care enough to offer to pray? Amen. Yeah, Bill Johnson has a lot of good words. <laughs> so I've quoted him like three times tonight. <laughs> sometimes the church thinks that it will hurt God's reputation if we offer to pray for a non-believer and they don't get healed. But what if it hurts God's reputation much more that the church doesn't care enough to offer to pray? Thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. All right. So, um, God's awesome. So, Jesus is a real man, lived, died on the cross, was raised from the dead. He did it all because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. All of us have done things wrong. It separates us from God. God didn't want us separated. So that's why Jesus came. He took the punishment, dying on the cross, so we could be forgiven. So, we have a choice with what Jesus has done for us. We can reject Jesus, but then we'll face the punishment for what we've done wrong when we die. Or, 
we can turn away from the bad things we've done and make Jesus our God and receive his forgiveness. So if you're thankful Jesus died on the cross for you, raise your hand. Put your hands down, close your eyes. If you've never before prayed to turn away from what you've done wrong and to make Jesus your God, and you'd like to do that now and receive his forgiveness, you can raise your hand. Okay. I'll have everybody repeat after me, not just those that raise their hand. Say, Jesus, Jesus. please forgive me for what I've done wrong. I want to follow you. I make you my God. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Fill me with your presence. And I renounce the devil and all his works. And I break them off my life. Holy Spirit, fill me. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I encourage you, if you just prayed to do that, Sure, why not clap for that? I encourage you, if you just prayed to do that, to pray, talk to God. He loves you. He cares about you. Read the Bible. A good place to start is the book of Mark. And go to church. If you don't know of a good one, I'd venture to say God's moving here. Amen? All right. Um, a few resources for you. If you'd like to grow in Holy Spirit ministry, the movie. And this is great for showing non-believers and people who will never step foot in church. The teaching CD. If you didn't listen to me when I said record it on your phone, how's that? <laughs> you know, in all seriousness, sometimes we really need to get it in us in a deeper way. Just hearing it once isn't enough. The American concept of knowing something is, I've heard that idea before I know it. The Hebraic concept of knowing something was experiential. You knew that you knew something because you lived it out. Like Adam knew Eve, and Cain and Abel were the byproduct. I'm not saying knowing is always sexual, but I am saying it's always experiential. Because faith without works is... Faith is not, oh, theoretically, I could go over to that person and pray for them, and God could do something. No, no, no. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. It's taking risk. That's a John Wimber quote. I can't take credit for that. At any rate, um, if you like a really simple way, if you're like, okay, Paul, I get it. I want to go see people get touched. This is a great book. This is probably the most common way that, uh, that I would hear people at Bethel talk about having a lifestyle of seeing Jesus touch people is what they talk about in this book. It's doing a treasure hunt. How many of you have ever done a treasure hunt before as a way of doing outreach before? I was actually told that you guys did some treasure hunts earlier and there's some people here who regularly go. Who are the people who regularly go on treasure hunts? Okay, so you see, raise your hand up high. So you see these three hands? Go join them sometime. Ask them when they're going, all right? Because we learn the best through relationship. It's a lot easier to go with somebody who's already doing it than it is to like start over trying to reinvent the wheel, right? I mean, that's why you came tonight, was because you wanted to grow through relationship, right? So I encourage you to do that with these three people. Hopefully, they're bombarded by a bunch of people who want to go with them. That's the goal. Then I did my job right. This book is basically, my buddy at Bethel made this, uh, summarizing Bethel's ministry school, because not everybody can go up and move to Reading, <clears throat> with teaching on healing, word of knowledge, prophecy, and so forth. What I like about the book especially is if you have teaching but no activation, it's very easy to make it more difficult in our mind than it is. And so he tells you where to go online 
and to watch video clips that are activation and demonstration oriented for you so that help you make it a part of your Holy Spirit lifestyle. So it isn't just a book with teaching, but it actually has um, the activation and demonstration component to it. And the last one is this one, as I shared this morning. This is my favorite book on healing. I was going to write a book on healing and have uh, keys that help me see breakthrough in a greater way with a chapter on risk, a chapter on having compassion on the sick instead of going introspective and disqualifying myself, a chapter on knowing who we are in Christ <clears throat> and how that pertains to it, and a bunch of other things. And then I, when I interned for this guy at Bill Johnson's church nine years ago, and he says, I want all my interns eight years ago. Ah, whatever, a while ago. Probably doesn't make much of a difference to you. <laughs> and he says, I want all my interns to read my latest book on healing and what is unlocking heaven, but keys that help Kevin see breakthrough and healing in a greater way with a chapter on risk, a chapter on identity, a chapter on compassion instead of disqualifying yourself, and three quarters of the exact subject format of how I wanted to write my book on healing. So this is my favorite book on healing because it's the one that I wanted to write. And I enjoy preaching a lot more than I enjoy writing. Just let me be honest. It's a lot more fun doing this and sitting in a computer doing that. So anyway, I was like, oh, I'll just bring his book. That's just a lot easier. So there you go. If you're interested in any of that, all of that is in the back, back there. And I think that's all I had for you guys for tonight. Tomorrow and Tuesday, one of those nights, for sure, we're going to get into words of knowledge related to healing. We might get into inner healing, deliverance, prophetic. Who knows? We'll have fun. Get you guys doing it. For sure, we'll go after healing, though, each of the nights. So if you're like, I know so-and-so and they should have been here, feel free to invite them. And also feel free to go and lay hands on them. Amen? Can I give you homework? Yes. Your homework is between now and tomorrow. Find someone who is not a believer to go and ask if you can pray for them for healing. Is that doable? Amen. I mean, you might not know if they're a believer or not. Like, it might not say on their shirt, not a believer, right? <laughs> but, right? You see Joe Blow at the hardware store, and he's limping real bad, and he's wincing in pain. Or you talk to the cashier at the grocery store, and nobody is behind you in line. And you say, how's your day going? And she's like, my back is just hurting me. That's an opportunity. Right? To see Jesus touch him. And it might scare us a little bit, but quite frankly, it's what we were made for. Like people do all sorts of things to try to get a thrill vicariously. They spend all sorts of money, whether that's an amusement park, whether that's, gosh, could be anything. could be drugs. It could be watching a sports team on TV and vicariously trying to get your thrill through them. It could be bungee jumping or whatever. Nothing, well, there's wrong, something wrong with some of those things, but not all of those things. I'll put it that way. And, and it's not necessarily bad to want a thrill, but I'll tell you the real thrill that we were made for was seeing God heal and touch people wherever we go. I mean, it's the Great Commission. And it's just a poor substitute to try to look for all sorts of other things to create a thrill. Romans chapter 8 in the message, it says that this resurrection life we've received is not a timid, grave-tending life, but it's adventurously expectant. If my concept of Christianity is not adventurously expectant, I am living a Christian life that Jesus never intended me to live. Now I'm preaching again. I better shut up. Pastor Steve, <laughs> go ahead. Now you can preach to them. They're still here. They didn't go. <laughs> Thank you, guys. God bless you. Have a good night. Thank you, Paul. <clears throat> oh, I didn't mention this one. And now I'm stuck.
If you want to grow in getting words of knowledge, which you just did tonight, that's the book on that. There you go. Who's going to do their homework? Some of you are honest. <laughs> so, I would challenge you to ask God to see with his eyes, to hear with his ears. Because I worked in a jewelry store for a long time, and I started getting frustrated hearing the door open. And I knew that had to change because that was not good. Not because I was a youth pastor or a pastor or anything else, because I was a Christian. My workload got so big and so important that I started hearing that door ring and getting upset. So I asked God, God, change how I see people. I need to hear that. I need to hear when they come in, and I need to hear properly. I need to see them like you see them. And I was dead serious about it. I remember, I remember the moment I said it, where I was standing, and he did it. He radically did it. And I'd hear that door open, and I started listening for people to tell, tell their story. And if you're listening, you'll ha have an opportunity to pray with just about every single person that comes by you. And I began to see the Lord move. So much so that before I left, I had two different times, which was the greatest opportunity and testimony was that people came into the jewelry store because they heard there was a guy that prayed for people. Not for jewelry. Are you, there's a guy, I heard there's a guy that prays for people in here. Every single one of us have been called to do that. I love what Paul's teaching. A lot of the things you've heard, you've either heard me say, you've heard, uh, we, we watched two weeks on Dan Muller teaching on healing and deliverance. Did you hear repeatedly some of the same things? You think God's trying to tell you something? Amen? So it doesn't do a whole lot of good if we just hear it, if we don't do it. Because faith without what? Is dead. So is it, is it possible to please God with dead faith? Not possible. Amen? Let me pray over you. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth. We thank you for the demonstration. We thank you, God, that you chose unqualified people, and you qualified us. I pray, God, we would never see ourselves unqualified ever again. We thank you, Lord, for your power and your love. We need to see people with your eyes, God. We need to love them like you love them. For me, that decision has been answered is, does God want to heal? I pray, Lord, that a lot of those questions, God, would, be, would have been answered tonight. And they'll be answered the rest of this week. Lord, we thank you that there's no problem too big for you. We say that. Lord, we believe that. So God, go with our, uh, our church, with those who are visiting. I pray, Lord, that every single one of us that make a decision to pray for someone tomorrow or tonight, that you give us a boldness and that we wouldn't ask and beg and plead. We would command. We would speak and say for the mountain to be moved and it would move. Amen. You're dismissed. And thank you for your prayers for my back. <laughs>